Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 13th of February. This is your host, Colton Gibson, and today I'm joined by my producer, Kobe Jackson, and co-host, Orlando Smart. We have a very special show planned this morning as we will cover some basketball, some Bobcat baseball and softball, and of course, talk about the Super Bowl. But before we get started, let's throw it to Orlando for a quick word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info at menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started with the Bobcat basketball teams as they are nearing the end of their conference schedules and are starting to look towards the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, starting with the women's basketball team now have a record of 18-7 and after their 64-60 win against the Marshall Thundering Herd this past Saturday. It was another great game. Denasia Hood led the team in scoring for who knows how many times this season, just doing what she does, uh, you know, really catching their stride here with only a few more games left to go before the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And I was able to actually catch this game on, on ESPN Plus when they pl- played the Marshall Thundering Herd. And, you know, this team, it was first of all, it was a really good game. Both of these teams had a lot of a uh, lot of crazy plays happening. And, you know, obviously, Denasia Hood and, uh, and Thompson actually were the leading scorers on this Bobcat team. And considering the fact the Bobcats only had two players in double figures, that was them two, and then Marshall had three figures, uh, three players in double figures. So, I mean, it was a back-and-forth game overall, and, uh, you know, the Bobcats really really played uh, very well against a really top team in uh, in the Sun Belt because I believe, I want to say Marshall, uh, I want to say had a slightly better record than Texas State did, but, I mean, that was that's a big-time win for the, Bobcat, for the Bobcats, and, you know, hopefully they can probably, you know, continue this uh, further on in the season. Yeah, the Bobcats played very well in this game. Um, y'all talked about the scoring, and I want to put a shout-out to Kennedy Taylor again for her assist numbers. She has six assists in this game. She's, I mean, all season she's just been dishing the ball out to all the play, all the girls on the team. She's had Denasia Hood. She gets, her the, she gets her open. She gets her the ball where she likes it. That's how she can lead the team in scoring so many times this season. I mean, as a as a senior as a veteran player on this team that's just what you want that's the type of leadership you want she's been here she's been to she that's how that's why she is one of the the top assist um holders in the entire Sunbelt conference because she just knows how to get the ball to the players on her team yeah with the win here they you know keep themselves in that that one game spread in between second and first place in the Sunbelt they're tied with i think three different teams and trail Troy by one point now. Uh, one of the teams that they are tied with is James Madison, who they're going to get to play next. So obviously a big-time matchup, you know, trying to propel themselves to that top seed going into the tournament. You know, what do you think they have to do to take care of this James Madison team? Honestly, I, I would just say keep playing the same basketball like you've been playing. I wouldn't, I mean, obviously they're going to make adjustments, you know, from obviously from the previous game and obviously into this game. So, I mean, if you keep, if, honestly, if you keep playing like the way you are, I honestly think that you'll have, um, you know, you'll have equal opportunities to be a really good James Madison team. And honestly, if they can have, because I know obviously Denasia Hood, and we talk about her a lot, and then obviously, 
uh, Lauren Thompson, and then, you know, Kennedy Taylor, the main, I would say the main three powerhouses on this team. So, I mean, you can really, you can really feel the momentum swing for the Bobcats. So, I mean, they're on a three game winning streak now. So let's see if, uh, you know, if that winning streak continues and they could possibly even have a much better, uh, much better game that they had against, uh, against Marshall. I mean, they're good. They're definitely going to have their hands full with this James Madison team. They have a there's a senior guard on their team averaging almost 20 points a game in Kiki Jefferson. So defense is really going to be key factor. Our guards are going to have to make sure to contain her as much as they can because she's the one leading that team to the same heights that the Bobcats are at right now. So it's going to be a pretty evenly matched game. I think the Bobcats can definitely take the win, but they're not. It's not going to be easy. Well, we will see what happens between those two. This Thursday at 7 p.m. when the Bobcats take on the James Madison Dukes as they open up their last stretch of home games for this regular season. But now moving over to the men's basketball team with a record of 12-15 and 15 following their buzzer beater 70-68 loss against Old Dominion this past Saturday. Uh, you know, in the interviews after the game, Coach TJ basically said, you know, we thought we did everything we needed to do to win this game. It, this game doesn't come down to one play. But ultimately, it, it came down to this this last shot, the inbound, leading to the game-winning layup. It just, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, it was a great game overall. However, um, I was actually, you know, kind of watching the game while um, I was, you know, in the studio producing, and uh, the one thing I was I was noticing is that they it was a really physical game because when I was watching it and uh, there was a lot of foul calls that were unnecessary. I mean. The game itself was what well, I would say was was I would say was pretty ugly because you know there wasn't there was a lot of calls and there was a lot of you know chirping a lot of pushing and shoving and there was just uh, you know, I re- I remember there was a play where it was being you know you know rule uh, the ruling was you know a flagrant foul and uh, it was it was just a me- it was just a messy game and honestly I don't think the Bobcats wanted to play like that it was mostly um, you know it was mostly uh, just them trying to trying to really rebound and stuff on their in their position play but i mean it was it was, it was a close game and honestly getting that i mean the game winning buzzer beater that kind of that can really take a soul on on a on a fan and honestly we kind of heard that when um or we kind of saw that when they were showing the fans uh all across you know all across the arena so i mean it was a great game overall but i i honestly think coach tj is probably telling his guys we can't have another game like that you know we're still trying to focus on conference wins and conference play so i'm i'm pretty sure coach tj is telling those guys that we we need to play better yeah it was a very evenly matched game the the bobcats they they played as well as they like they played all season i mean they they were there in the they had a lot they had a lot of points in the paint they had a lot of points off turnovers the the score was there was seven i mean eight lead changes in that game score was tied 11 times so in a game like that a thing that's really going to help you win that game is free throws. And in that game, Texas State was not as well as they should have been from the free throw line. Like, Old Dominion only missed two free throws in the entire game. So when you have a close game like that, a buzzer beater is – when you need a buzzer beater, those free throws is what kept them in that game to where that's what they need – that's what they could use to win the game. They – Texas State, they shot, what, six, 69% from the, from the free throw line in the second half. And – and it, like when the game's that close, that's just not going to cut it. You need all the points you can get. Those those are free points. You got to be able to take advantage of those opportunities you get when they do call the when that whistle does blow. So 
Um, that's just something they need to look for. They need to work on going forward. If they can just be more consistent from the free throw line, they can win a lot more close games like this. So obviously the women's and men's teams are very different positions right now. The women's team trying to fight for that top spot. The men's team are sitting at 11th right now with four games left in their regular season. I guess what is the goal to end the season and to be happy with ending the season? You know, try to take care of these last four games, try to make some noise in the tournament, see what you can do. But ultimately this team is not where we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. So what is a successful end to this season with only four games and the conference tournament left? Yeah, I mean, just just try to just try to execute, try to you know be all you can be. I mean, I know you know as a, you know as a former athlete myself, I know I've been through a losing season, and, and trust me, it's it's hard. It's hard on you know the coaches. It's hard on you know it's hard on you know the team because uh, the chemistry sometimes isn't there, and sometimes we have you know great players that you know obviously just couldn't couldn't execute. But honestly, I think if you're Coach DJ, I'm, I, I bet you he's telling you guys, you know, finish strong in the regular season. And then obviously when it comes to the conference tournament, you know, just give it your all and, you know, fight till the very end. Because, you know, as coaches once say, you know, it, it's not over till the clock hits zero. And I'm a firm believer in that. And, you know, I would just say, to, you know, just to finish strong and, and just, you know, hope, you know, hope for the best and possibly, possibly, you know, could repeat as some belt conference champion. Well, that's the beauty of the way the conference works, that whether or not you're first in the conference or last in the conference, once you get to that tournament, anything can happen. Like, we've seen the past two seasons, the Bobcats were number one in the conference and then lost in that first game. So we were talking about it at lunch last week, that maybe this could be the time where even so since we're not, we're finishing lower, we go to the tournament, Texas State goes to the tournament and they actually win some games and make a run, so... Like at this point, you just got to finish strong and know that once you get to that tournament, you have, it's anybody's game. It's the records completely reset, and it's open season for anybody to go and win that game. So they just have to focus on getting to the tournament and executing there. Well, the Bobcats are going to be hitting the road, heading up to the Carolinas for their last stretch of away games before coming back home for their last two. Their next game will be against the App State Mountaineers this Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Just make sure to tune in and watch that game and see – you know, if the Bobcats can finish strong for this season. But we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side of it, we're going to talk about how the Rattlers now control their own destiny. So don't go anywhere, because you're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I have my producer, Kobe Jackson, co-host Orlando Smart, and this is your host, Colton Gibson. As I said before the break, the San Marcos High School Rattlers basketball team now controls their own destiny as they head into the final game of their regular season, uh, following a 71-66 to loss against the New Braunfels Unicorns. That's be their third loss of the season. They now head into this final game against East Central on Tuesday. And if they win, they clinch district. And if not, then it's up to some other games to see what happens. But, you know, it was a very close game, and obviously we're not used to really seeing the uh, the Rattlers lose these, these games, especially here in uh, district. They took care of New Braunfels the first time. Um, but I think everybody can feel pretty okay knowing that they now control their own destiny against an East Central team that obviously isn't as good as the New Braunfels team is. Yeah, and honestly, when I, I was actually listening, to, you know, listening to the game with uh, Joey Gonzalez and Jordan Solis on the call for for that game, and the one thing I did, you know, hear a lot about is that they had a lot of opportunities for um, at the free throw line, and they missed their they missed a lot of opportunities for that. But I mean, you know, a lot. I mean, a loss is a loss, but honestly, I mean. 
that's a that's a tough loss because I know they played New Braunfels earlier. Uh, I was on the call with that with Paxton uh, earlier in the season, and you know New Braunfels gave San Marcos all they could handle, and uh, I'm pretty sure you know New Braunfels just came back and you know looked at every detail, every minor detail that might have been missed in the in the first appearance that them two have played, and they've kind of really found I guess you could say found weaknesses in. Um, in their game plan. So, I mean, it was a great win for the unicorns, but like you said, you know, San Marcos is still kind of number one in the district, but if they win, you know, tomorrow against East central, then they'll be basically district cha- district champions at, at that point. So, um, I mean, that's a tough loss for, uh, for San Marcos, but I'm pretty sure, you know, coach Dan Miller is going to tell his guys like, Hey, you know, this is one loss, you know, we had to lose eventually, you know, cause I know that winning streak was a big deal. 26 games. That's, that's that's a very 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 long win streak. So um, you know, a loss like this is gonna really kind of basically a refresher in the minds. Like you know, we gotta take care of this. We gotta take care of that. And you know, I'm pretty sure Dan Miller will will have his guys ready for for tomorrow night's game. I mean, we talked about it when we were here. That I mean, that that team was not about to just come in there and lay down and let San Marcos run over them. They knew that while, yes, San Marcos would have to also lose this next game tomorrow, but they still were fighting for a chance at a district championship. All they had to do, they could do, all they could do was what they could handle, was which which was win their game, and that's what they were, that's what they were determined to do. They was, they were not going to just, like I said, like we said, we, they were not just going to let San Marcos run over them like they were doing all the other teams. And I'm not saying San Marcos expected that, but they – they didn't really, like you said, they didn't take opportunities. They didn't take advantage of the opportunities that they had at the free throw line. Up until the end of the game, they weren't really making their three pointers. Like the game, honestly, wasn't as close as it looked. Like it was, it was a close game in like, like in general. But like at the very end of the game, San Marcos made it a lot closer with some like last last minute buzzer beat, like not buzzer beaters, but like last minute three pointers. Um, that were kind of just like desperation threes that got them kind of like within fighting distance of that like couple points of the game. But San Marcos, like now they can, they like you said, they control their own destiny. So East, I mean, this East Central team is yeah not they're the last they're the last place team in the district. But that doesn't mean San Marcos can just not just take them lightly because. Like they said, no one's just going to lay over and just let them come in and dominate them. So I don't want them to just look ahead towards the playoffs. That might have been what they were doing with New Braunfels and how the game got away from them. So they need to just buckle down and finish the season before they get to the playoffs because, I mean, the playoffs is where it really matters because a game like that in the playoffs and you're done for the season. That whole the, the, the win streak doesn't matter. The, the regular season record doesn't matter if you go home in the first round. And I was talking to one of the coaches off the record. I don't know if I can really name him, but I mean, no, it was Lance Ashford is a coach for the San Marcos district and he's a friend of mine. And he was saying that it was kind of eye opener for the team. It, it makes them kind of aware of it's better to lose now than in, in, the, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of yeah. like is a eye opener for the team. Like you said, it shows them what they can work on, what they need to buckle down and fine tune because playoffs it's one and done so they want to they want to their team that believes they can really make a push for a state title and one loss like this doesn't deter that at all so they can like you said they can still win they control their own destiny they can still win district championship they just got to finish strong and then go into the playoffs I think an interesting thing about this loss is while it's something we didn't expect you get to look back at what the Rattlers have done this season 81 days in between losses the last time they lost was at the end of November so 
a crazy stretch of basketball that the Rattlers have, you know, put on for everybody to watch. And now coming into the last game with the chance to, you know, clinch the outright district just seems like a storybook ending to this season. You know, lots of stuff going to be happening at that game. I'm looking at the Rattlers Twitter right now. The chance to win the district championship. Eight seniors are going to be honored for senior night. If the Rattlers win, it's buy one, get one box combos from Raising Canes, apparently. So, you know, lots of stuff going on at the pit where they are undefeated this year, 15-0 at home. So it's going to be a crazy house in San Marcos High School. And I'm excited to see, you know, how they perform in front of their home fans one last time before, you know, hitting the playoffs. Yeah, I'm more of a Zaxby's guy myself, but I'm 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 a man who loves a deal. So if they win that, I'll definitely in, I'll be in that long Canes line. I mean, I'm gonna I'll say one last thing before uh, before we move on is that um, you know I as I talked about you know in previous uh, in previous shows that I honestly think that this will probably be the largest I think the largest crowd that that the Rattlers have had all year because I know. You know, it was a bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have had bigger crowds, especially uh, that New Braunfels game specifically. But I think this will probably be the biggest one because, like you alluded to earlier, it is senior night, and we do, and the Rattlers do have a lot of seniors on this team. And uh, you know, it's it's just it's going to be it's going to be I think a really a really nice feeling to see all the seniors kind of I, I guess you could say walk you know have their curtain call I guess you could say on the you know the last game of the regular season. So, um, but I think it's it's going to be I think it's going to be a really good crowd and possibly you know a really a really a, a good game I think. Well, for the moment, we are going to move out of local sports and head to some national sports. And, of course, that is going to be the big game that happened last night, the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Eagles, where we saw the Chiefs defeat the Eagles 38-35. to Patrick Mahomes wins Super Bowl MVP, and another NFL season comes to a close. You know, I didn't really know who I was rooting for in this game. I was just kind of hoping to see a good game, uh, and it delivered. It was a phenomenal game. The Eagles led early in the first half, and the Chiefs ended up coming back, kicking that last-second field goal. And the Eagles' last play just didn't come through, so it was a good Super Bowl. I'm glad it wasn't a blowout. Yeah, for real. I'm I'm the same here. It, you know, what's funny is because that I I was talking about this on the podcast and obviously on previous BCRs is that you know I expected a last second field goal to the end of the game, and it happened. It's just that it was just for the wrong team that I picked. So, but I mean, a great game overall. Because honestly, I honestly. I was honestly thinking that it was going to be a, a blowout. I didn't. I wasn't expecting this to be, you know, pretty close. Actually, no, I did expect this to be pretty close. But I'm glad it wasn't a blowout, like Colton, like you said. But I mean, I mean, I don't know what else you could say because the Chiefs, you know, they were down in the first half. It was 24-14 at the end of the half, and then they come storming back in the second half, like we've seen in previous games and really all year, if you really, if you really look at it, or actually in previous seasons. And there's just no quit in Kansas City at all. I mean, and we talked about you know the departure of Tyreek Hill being thinking it was going to be a big a big factor, and honestly, it wasn't. You know, I bet you Tyreek Hill is probably sitting at home right now, like God, man, like I could have been there, what you know, winning another Super Bowl with these guys. But honestly, I don't think there was no need for him anyway, because I mean, obviously, you know, Yama Holmes, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith Schuster, former Pittsburgh Steeler. And I mean, he balled. You know, they absolutely balled. But the one thing that needs to be really credited on about this game is their defense, because the Kansas City Chiefs' defense has been really, I guess you could say, questioned. You know, questioned 
a lot this past season and really these past few years because obviously, you know, Steve Spagnola has had one of the games where, you know, he's made amazing adjustments but sometimes just didn't execute. So, I mean, he made amazing adjustments last night and it really showed it. So, I mean, it was a good, it was a really good win for uh, for Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, as a Cowboys fan, I was absolutely going for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I'll take this is actually a victory Monday for me. Anytime the anytime the, the I told everyone like the next best thing after a Cowboys win is an Eagles loss. So I'm 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 ecstatic right now. So the Chiefs, I mean, they played that second half was amazing. Patrick Mahomes was like he was an alien, like I've said before. He showed why he was the MVP of the league, why he was the MVP of the Super Bowl. He showed why he's the best quarterback in the entire NFL. He was unstoppable in that second half. He literally scored on every single drive. He put points on the board. Every like, what can the, the Eagles could not do anything to stop him? And I said here, I said on the podcast, I have my brother. I said on um, Claws to the Wall. The way the Eagles were going to be able to win this game was if their defensive line got to Patrick Mahomes. Their defensive line had four players with multi, with double digit sacks this season, but in the Super Bowl and the game where it mattered most, they didn't get to. Patrick Mahomes yeah, at all, zero, and yeah. so that and that was the that was the the game breaker right there. That was what that's what made him able to go and put that game winning drive on the on the board. And I mean, the Eagles honestly, I mean the game the score was thirty eight to thirty five, and so in my opinion, the Eagles scored thirty five points too many. Um, so I th- I wanted the Chiefs, I needed the Chiefs defense to be a little bit better than they were, but I mean at the end of the day, they held them to when they needed to that. The fumble by Jalen Hurts proved to be insanely yeah. big in the end of the day because Absolutely. that that one turn, turnovers man that'll really that's what is the that's what's a that factor right there is probably why the Eagles ended up losing the game because he Jalen Hurts honestly played pretty well he had mm-hmm. 304 yards only one throwing touchdown but he has three rushing touchdowns so I mean he played as well as he could have that just that one turnover man that one mistake is what could lead to the could be the deal breaker and the deciding factor in that game yeah one thing I think the Eagles take away from this game though is Jalen Hurts is obviously the real deal he, he comes to the, the big time game makes just one mistake with the fumble really he really I think carried that team to keep that team you know in a place to to win that game for for most of it so Jalen Hurts is, is that guy I think so I think the Eagles can, you know, feel confident that they have a quarterback that can lead them back there in future seasons, and that's a, a thing that a lot of other teams can't say right now. Yeah, and the one thing I do want to clarify is that when Jalen Hurts got drafted, everybody who was a Philadelphia Eagles fan was like, "No, we already have a quarterback," oh, and that was. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a wide receiver at first. Well, yeah, well, well, it was because, you know, originally, you know, the Eagles were supposed to draft C.D. Lamb, but the you know, Cowboys kind of spoiled that. So in the second round, it was like it was like um, it was like, man, we could really make some moves here. And then all of a sudden they drive Jalen Hurts in the second round. I'm like. I'm like, okay, they got a quarterback now. But at first, people were saying, like, hey, we got Carson Wentz, you know, the guy that led us to the Super Bowl. I'm like, y'all don't realize that Carson Wentz has gotten hurt in, you know, pre in you know, the next following years that he's been in the league. So, I mean, it really honestly makes sense. And if honestly, if he does poorly, Jalen Hurts can automatically step in and take over that quarterback role. And he's done it like successfully well. You know, I know his rookie year. Uh, when Carson Wentz got benched and he got hurt, and then the following year made the playoffs and unfortunately got beaten down by Tom Brady and the Bucks, and then now this year, 
uh, going all the way to the Super Bowl and making it and giving the Chiefs a real run for their money. I mean, that's a that's an impressive impressive career so uh, impressive resume so far but you know I just want to note that because a lot of people didn't want Jalen Hurts as their equals quarterback when he got drafted originally and now they have the true franchise quarterback that they finally have oh yeah I mean I have friends who are Eagles fans and a lot of them were definitely like I've had verbatim conversations where they told me this is this is it for Jalen Hurts if he didn't prove it this year he, they weren't. They were done with him. He were. They were not going to be. They didn't want him as a quarterback, and then he had an MVP level season. But I think that the 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 addition of AJ Brown cannot be slept on at all. Oh, I mean no, that was that that helped him propel to this season because I mean he's played. Pretty, I mean he hasn't played just terrible in the seasons before, mm-hmm. but this level it was clearly a step up once he got that true number one receiver and now and honestly he has because Devonte smith also stepped up as an because he had more catches than aj brown but they like, a little more a little yes yards and the same amount of touchdowns like they he all he also he actually had two number one receivers in aj brown and Devonte smith so i mean i can admit that that philadelphia eagles front office is doing amazing things right now they the way they the, the way they've drafted, the way they've done handled free agency, they and I don't like even Jerry Jones came out and said the other day something about like oh the he doesn't want to like bet it all on one season like the Eagles no. did and uh-huh. I, I don't know what he's talking about because the <laughs> Eagles did not do that. The Eagles made f- key moves in free agency and literally still have a number one uh, first round draft pick that's going to be top ten yeah, next early season. One too. Yeah, so early it's one, like, yeah. what are you talking about, Jerry? Why can't you do that? I mean, I'm going to need you to stop <laughs> hating and try to do what they're doing, guy. Because, like, I mean, it's shown that's what's that's what's got them in this position, b- building a team around Jalen Hurts to where it can show that he can show that what he can do because that's what that's what you need as a quarterback. No, if you look at the teams that were that made it that far, with the with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback in the league, all the quarterbacks have a plethora of weapons that they can utilize, and even Patrick Mahomes still has Travis Kelsey, who's mm-hmm. the greatest quarter, who's arguably who's on his way to being arguably the greatest tight end of all time if Absolutely. he continues the, on the pace he's at. So, and Juju Smith Schuster was it? He like you said, he balled out this season. So, I mean, weapons and offensive talent is really what you need to go far in the playoffs yeah absolutely and the one thing I do want to note is that I honestly think that you know as far as the quarterback level going into the next few seasons is I think really key because honestly we're seeing an end of an era now because obviously you know Tom Brady you know announced his retirement and it is legit because he actually you know made a video and actually wrote a note saying that he you know he's officially retiring so honestly we are now seeing a real big transition in like young quarterbacks because I know you know we saw you know Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Big Ben Roethlisberger, and now Tom Brady. That a, a quarterback like statue that I grew up you know watching you know watching them and you know it's now the end of the era. But honestly, I think the league is in really good hands because of all the young talent you know young talent quarterbacks like you know Mahomes, like Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Dak yeah, Prescott. Dak, I'll even say, yeah, I'll even say Dak Prescott. Prescott for for all for all I have to say, but I mean, ugh, I gotta hate saying that. But um, but I mean, the league is in really good hands, and honestly, this is going to be a really 
fun season probably for the next maybe five six years because honestly the the talent is like ridiculously crazy and you know obviously there's going to be more talented quarterbacks coming into the league you know as you know obviously as the draft is coming up pretty soon so i mean this is i would say the nfl is in really good hands i was about to say i think this offseason is really a quarterback driven offseason with you know a, a crazy quarterback class coming in with you know three really good you know, I'm thinking Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis are the top three quarterbacks in this draft. And then in terms of free agents, Lamar Jackson's still not on a contract. Geno Smith's going to be looking for a new contract. Derek Carr. Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr. Derek Carr wants out. Aaron Rodgers, who knows where he's going. So quarterback play is going to be all over the place next year. We don't know who's going to be where. All I know is the Texans better have one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be a crazy offseason leading into the next season. Uh, but before we wrap up today, I do... Just want to mention, give a quick shout out to uh, Texas State baseball and softball. Uh, Texas State softball opened up their season this past weekend with a, a three and two record in their tournament. Uh, they have another tournament this coming weekend, and uh, baseball opening up their season this Friday, six p.m. against Northwestern. So, uh, you know, what are you guys looking forward to about these seasons? Obviously, baseball with a phenomenal season, getting to go to Stanford for that regional last year. Hopefully a repeat of something like that what are y'all looking forward to yeah like you said hopefully a repeat you know of, of last season and possibly maybe even better because i know there was a lot of significant wins last year and um you know obviously making to regionals against Stanford in a hard-fought game i watched that live that was i was going through a lot i was going through a lot of emotions that game so i mean i'm pretty sure the bobcats have something to prove and will probably maybe extend their season like they did last year yeah, definitely. I I was actually sitting next to Coach Stroud at a basketball game earlier this season, and he like he definitely says they have they have a lot of confidence in their team that they can repeat. They did lose a couple players um, last season, but it was to the draft, so you can't be too sad about that. So they had some seniors get drafted last year, and they they still think they can. They with the freshmen that they came that they brought in with the returning players. He definitely believes that they can continue that success that they had last year. Well, before we wrap up today, we're going to send it over to Kobe to give everybody a little bit of an update on our weather today. So currently right now, it is 61 degrees outside. It was a low of 41 earlier this morning. It's going to be a high of 71. So we are looking pretty good as far as uh, no rain pretty much. And then tomorrow's forecast Tuesday is going to be a high of 75 and a low of 50 degrees. So, I mean, a little bit of nice weather, not really too cold and not too hot. You know, kind of the perfect weather for you if it's, you know, windy, go fly a kite or, you know, sit at Sewell Park and just have a nice relaxing breeze in front of your face. Finally go get my car washed. Well, that is all of our time today. But make sure to keep up with everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us at KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For Kobe Jackson and Orlando Smart, I'm Colton Gibson. Thank you for listening to this Monday's edition of Bobcat Radio. We hope you tune in again Wednesday and have a great rest of your day. But for now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.